Welcome to Behind the Backline, the podcast where we chat with merchants, brands, and industry professionals in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space about their products, services, industry trends, stories, and more. Join us now as we dig into the stories behind our favorite backline gear. Welcome to episode 28 of Behind the Backline. I'm Matt Jacoby of Octave Media, and today I am speaking with Jeff Hankin of Carolina Drumworks. Thanks for joining me today, Jeff. My pleasure, Matt. Good to talk with you. Yeah, looking forward to learn more a little bit about Carolina. So um, tell, let's start off a little bit by uh, telling us a little bit about uh, who you are and what Carolina does. Okay. Uh, I am a drummer of, oh, I hate to say how many decades now. Um uh, <laughs> And um, I, I started out in uh, playing classical music, got into jazz, then, then into blues, and then into rock, and um, played in a lot of kinds of ensembles and a lot of, a lot of kinds of music uh, over the years. But um, I got into um, building, well, I started building snare drums, and now I do uh, what I describe as high-end snares and occasional kits. Um, and uh, it, it kind of... Um, Filled in, uh, it started that when I'd hit about 50, if I can use the number, years of playing. And, um, and the hours were getting kind of late, and the, uh, the gear was getting kind of heavy. And um, I got hooked on the, on the drum building aspect of it, um, which has done wonders for my, for my woodworking skills. Uh, and uh, then it became a company about uh, 10 years ago, actually 10 years and uh, I guess two months ago. Um, and, um, so, so what I try to do is I try to build drums that I want, that I want to play, um, and then afterwards part company with them. But, um, it, it, it means that I'm, I'm striving for as, as high a pinnacle as I can get to, um, which gets me into more and more detail and more and more little touches and TLC and, uh, hopefully, uh, gradually improving product over the years. Yeah, well, happy 10-year anniversary. I didn't notice that it was 2008. <laughs> I hope you're having a giant celebration this year for 10 years. Uh, uh, yeah, well, every year, every year is a celebration. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you have a lot to be celebrating. I, I mean, just looking at your website, I'll give it a quick plug. It's carolinadrumworks.com. The, I mean, if it's not just the photography, I would assume. I mean, these drums are, they look fantastic. I wish I kind of had one. So. <laughs> well. Thank, thank, thank you. I, I, I know people talk about the, the use the phrase labor of love, but um, these things are, are, are I don't I don't don't have that much equipment. Um, uh, for example, the finishes are all are all hand applied. Um, I don't even own any spray equipment, and um, what that means is I, I I can get very hands on with the drums as they're in progress. I get to visit with them every day for for a few minutes each, and and it just it it's very it's 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 really satisfying to me um, to to kind of get involved with the instruments at that at that level. Um, you, mean, you make it sound like you have a little conversation with them every day. Is that you know because you have almost like a- well you know you know it's interesting you should say that because they, they really each one has its own individual character. Yeah, um, I mean just starting from the from the point that every board is different, every tree is different. And, um, and so they have, they have personalities and, and I have to, <laughs> I have to sometimes give in to them. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> they yell at you if you don't, right? <laughs> right. Right. Um, so you officially started Carolina in 2008, but, right. um, you've been making them for 
for longer. Is that right? Uh, a little bit longer. Yeah. I, I, I pretty quickly hit the point where, um, uh, other members of my household were saying, so what are you going to do with all these drums? Uh, <laughs> and, um, and then I had, I had had a couple of small businesses in the past. So, so it just, uh, kind of, uh, you know, got, got the trademark established and got the, uh, uh, business structure set up and, uh, and then I can go back to having fun. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, if this is what you love to do, then I'm sure right. you have a blast every day then, huh? <laughs> yeah. It, it's at, at this, at this point I'm, 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 I'm still gigging, uh, some and, uh, uh, teaching, uh, a little bit, which is, which is also very satisfying. And, uh, so I've, I've kind of got my life balanced on those three, three, uh, tripod legs. Okay. So, um, you know, you made the transition from playing to, to building, um, and maybe you touched on this a little bit already, um, but what kind of was the inspiration to, to make that gap? Like, is there a major reason why this was more fun than, than playing primarily or? Well, it, it kind of two steps to that one. One is, is um, uh, kind of early on in the process. I, I happened to, somebody gave me a copy of Mickey Hart's book on uh, drumming on the edge of magic. And um, in it, he, he's talking about sort of the, the, the mystical aspect of drumming. But but he he says at one point that he thinks every drummer should build himself a drum and play it just for just for the experience and for the connection uh, that way. So um, I went online on eBay and I put in a bid on a shell and nobody else bid. And so I had to build it out. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, the second part was I I discovered kind of early in the process, I, I, I like taking I like taking snare drums to jam sessions, um, not to play, but to just put them up on the stand for the evening. And I can, uh, it gives me a chance to hear sometimes, you know, 12 different drummers playing the same instrument and, and in the same mix with the same band, uh, same room. And, and as you know, you'll hear 12 different uh, characters to that drum just by the the way these different folks play. But one of the things I discovered is um, it really, really, really makes me happy to have somebody that's a much better drummer than I am play on these <laughs> things. And um, uh, uh, one of the first uh, really significant drummers that I, that I had a chance to build for was Dennis Chambers. Um, and and I, I just, I can't describe what it is to have Dennis playing a drum that, that I made for him. <laughs> um, it, it's just, it, it's more exciting than being on the stage for me. Yeah, it's got to be uh, kind of a, a dream come true. I've heard this from other people too. When you know someone can make it sing or you know do what it's meant to do, uh-huh. you know from from a, a third party perspective and getting that getting a chance to see it from the audience's perspective. That's right. Right. It's also it's also a great education for me um, because hearing hearing these things out front, hearing hearing a drum when you're sitting right over it is very very different from hearing it out front. And, uh, and even, even in a non-acoustic situation, uh, or talking to the sound men about what, what they're doing or not doing with the sound once they get it. Um, and that helps me, uh, in, in, in fine tuning, um, an instrument, it helps me make it, make it do what it needs to do out front, even though that's not necessarily what the drummer's sitting over it hears. Mm-hmm. No, totally. That makes sense. Uh, um, so 
in terms of like uh you know make taking the the, the road less traveled well so, i mean it feels like more and more people are making their own drums these days but mm-hmm. you know, it depends on if they're really good at it or not <laughs> um kind of like craft brewing right. um <laughs> you know do you do you feel that uh th- what you do kind of fills a particular gap in the market space between like the popular brands and people that are on the smaller maybe different type of custom end i know there's people who distinguish uh, what they are when they're custom yeah I, I don't i don't know if it's a gap if I, if I describe it as a gap um it's it's um relatively unpopulated territory um uh my my orientation is toward refining uh the the these drums as musical instruments um, so you have, you have in the design of a drum, you have, uh, I'd say literally dozens of factors that can influence the sound, the playability, the character, uh, the, the usability one way or another. And, and the process for me is to try to get all these, these factors in alignment so that they're working toward the same goal. Um, I think there, I, I see a lot of, of drums built where you know the the edge the bearing edge profile may be conflicting with uh the snare beds in terms of what they accomplish and they're actually weakening each other instead of helping each other uh those two things so so i i feel like i'm in a constant state of exploring and um and refining and and getting better at each of these little nuances. What, what happens with that is there are hours and hours and hours and hours of, of detail and attention that, that go into these things, um, which puts them in a, in a pretty select uh, niche. I'm not saying that there aren't others doing the same thing, yeah. but, but not that many. And, and certainly um, it's, a, it's a far cry from the mass production uh, drums that, that you, know, you see out in the, in the stores and online. Yeah. Um, so on that same note, like how long does it take you to craft a drum from start to finish on like an average? Uh, well, I, you know, I've never added up the hours because I kind of don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, because if I knew I would know what was I, what I was making per hour and I would be really upset. <laughs> but, um, generally, generally, um, if it's a, if it's a solid shell, um, like a like a, uh, a stave or a steam band, and those are the bulk of the drums that I do. Um, it's it's usually running around five months, start to finish. Okay. Um, from the time it's aboard to the time it's a drum in the customer's hands. And that sounds like a lot of a lot of attention, detail, and materials, time, um, everything. I I mean, do you do you find that certain materials work better than others, or is it mainly just whatever the end goal is for the sound and for the customer? Well, it's the goal for the sound and the customer, and and normally I I, I like to and and generally have kind of long dialogues uh, at the beginning of the process. Uh, with a customer and sometimes okay. sometimes they're just ongoing conversations that are kind of on and off over literally months or years gotcha <laughs> uh, before we're ready to, ready to do the build but um uh it it's my recommendations are always going to be you know first of all tone woods um good tone woods and um second um starting from what what kind of music are you playing what kind of sound are you trying to produce um what what feel makes you happy when you're playing a drum um and that that can steer toward certain species um sometimes um i mean there have been questions about the environment that, that people live in because um, these drums go 
all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, there, there are temperature issues, humidity issues, and, and certain kinds of wood will, will perform better or be easier to work with uh, for the player. Hmm. Yeah, good point. Especially where I live, where it gets super humid and the air conditioning is probably screwing up my drum kit as we speak. So, <laughs> <laughs> This is why they invented ply. Exactly. Ply. <laughs> um, do you feel that like the, uh, the metals and the uh, accessories and all the um, hardware and everything um, you know, is depending on how that's applied or what type of it, type of materials are used. Is that also usually? Uh, yeah, both, both um, the application and the, and the materials um, uh, on, on my snares. I use uh, two blogs that uh, they're my design and I have, I have them machined specifically uh, for these drums and the, um, the posts of the logs are generally solid brass, which is a nice sonic metal. Uh, and the tubes are stainless steel, polished stainless steel, which has a couple of advantages. Um, one being that the threading is very, very precise and very durable. So if there is any problem with something stripping, it's going to be, you know, the, the 80 cent uh, tension rod and, and not, not the t- tube. Um, but um, some, some of those metals uh, carry vibration, carry sound better than others. Um, uh, one of the, you know, one of the big questions in that is aluminum because aluminum generally, uh, will, will, will not deaden, but flatten out a sound a little bit. Um, so you need to be careful how you use it. The other, the other thing is the amount of mass that you put on the shell, um, because that has a great influence on, on the tonality of the shell and the resonance of the shell. Um, so these are, you know, uh, tube lugs end up being very strong with a very small footprint. Um, and, uh, uh, the, the, the first time that you attach a lug or, or, or other hardware to a drum shell, you can hear the difference. One, one lug will do it just wow. instantly. So, so uh, again, taking that into account, um, the more mass, the higher the fundamental pitch. Um, and that's why the, the drums with the thick shells get very loud and don't have very much tone. Um, so there's always in, in, in everything, all these, all these little details that I keep talking about, um, there's a balance between, between projection, uh, volume and tone. Um, so, um, I work with, I work with, um, steam bench shells and stave shells and ply shells, and I like them to be generally, usually all in the same configuration, which is to say a quarter inch thick with, um, reinforcement uh, rings, they might be milled in or they might be added, uh, that make it half an inch thick at the edges. And that, that stays consistent no matter what type of construction I'm working with. Okay. Um, and that, that I find is just the best, the best balance of, of, uh, keeping, keeping good tone. Awesome. Now I kind of had this thought and I think this pertains more to Tom's because I know, you know, it's kind of more of a popular thing now. Mm -hmm. What does it take when you say that, you know, lugs affect the sound? of a shell immediately even with just one um what do you work at all with the suspended mounts at all where you usually use like the hoop versus actually attaching the um any like, miss, missing hardware? yeah usually i mean that's it's a discussion with customers um i think just about all of them have wanted suspension mounts okay on on their toms um one thing i do you know the, the the resonance and the sustain on a tom is an interesting thing. You can you can always take away sustain, but you can't add it mm. to a drum. So um, 
I, I like to do on a kit, I do uh, what I call graduated bearing edges um, so that the smaller drums, which generally don't ring as much, uh, get a get a, a sharper edge profile, and as we go down to larger sizes, those those profiles become rounder because uh, usually people have more trouble with too much sustain and ring uh, uh, getting muddy in, in floor toms, for example. Um, but but you never know the situation. I, I was at a at a uh, music performance uh, a few months ago. A really good drummer. Um, using a what i know to be a really good kit was was not one of mine but i know the builder <laughs> um, and and um i know that these drums are nice and resonant and toms are nice and resonant and and in performance uh he was playing with 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 like dish towels over the drum heads huh i mean this is this is way beyond moon moon gel right yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> so but i guess i guess it worked out for what the sound man wanted it it's um it, it seems like um there was not maybe the right match in in the drum design for the way he wanted to use them or the sound he wanted or the heads he was using i don't know yeah i don't think that uh, any of the major head makers uh create dish t- dish towel heads that i've right. made <laughs> today <laughs> it's, it takes takes me back to the days of the of the uh the oil-filled heads and the and you know and the and the uh internal mufflers and everything going into going into session work yeah i've i've i always for the life of me and and over about two and a half decades of playing i'm like i do not want a pillow in my bass drum (laughs) (laughs) and yet and yet you still see them yeah i don't i don't i I mean i i get the deadening but uh, i guess i like the ring and i feel like the bounce is affected and everything it's just kind of kills everything i try to play more with the front head hole versus not having one um instead and that that seems to work a little bit better than right throwing bedding in your drum (laughs) (laughs) so um i have to ask uh are you uh, a solo shop or do you have other people who help you craft them um i am solo there are some some parts i don't do in my shop um this is one of the reasons that i don't do a lot of kits is my shop is tiny um, and, and frankly, it's not, it's not big enough for multiple people. Also, I have had businesses in the past that involved payroll and I resolved never to do that again. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, there are, there are various functions that, that go outside. For example, um, I, I, I don't know how to mill metal. I'm not set up to do it. Um, and it's not something I really feel like spending my time on. So I work closely with a, with a, uh, metal shop. Um, on on doing the lugs, et cetera. Um, some of the shells are made in-house. Some of the shells are not made in-house. And that really depends on who's going to do it best for for the the intended project. Um, and, and, you know, I would rather have somebody that's better at a certain aspect of that than I am do it because I'm, then I'm delivering the best, the best product I can. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you know, going in and making a bunch of sawdust is fun. So uh, <laughs> there are plenty of them that, that are just done in the shop. It's, it's, it's uh, said that to maintain your passion, you need to find the things that bring you joy and you're supposed to get rid of the things that are a burden. So if you enjoy making sawdust, <laughs> you've, you found your, your uh, true calling in drum making. <laughs> it's, yeah. I'm not going to say that there's not some, some burdens and things, but, but um, it's, you know, this is a process that requires a lot of patience 
in a lot of ways. And, and it's not unusual. I mean, most, most of the drums, for example, get about 20 applications of various types of finish. Wow. And, um, with a whole lot of sanding. Um, and, um, it's not unknown for me to get to a certain point in that process and say, I'm not satisfied and, and strip it back down and start over. Um, which is one of the reasons that, that it takes a while to produce, but, but I really want to get to the best end result possible. And as long as I don't add up how many hours I'm spending, <laughs> preventing me from doing that. Exactly. It's, it's about the quality versus the, the uh, little paycheck that you don't want to know about. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, you know, I have a, I have a luxury in, in approaching it this way because I have, I have, um, there, there are a lot of things that I won't do. There are colors that I won't do. Um, I, I don't wrap kits or drums. Um, uh, there are, you know, I'll use my lugs. Um, and otherwise it's not something that I can badge. Um, and, and, um, so there, there are times when a customer will say, I want this and such, I want that and such. And, and if I need to, I'll draw the line and say, you know, maybe I'm not the guy. Yeah. No, that's takes a lot to to come to that conclusion, but to have the the perfect end game or the end goal, you know, may uh-huh. may or may not be the right thing or right fit. So, so um, while I noticed you do not have like an official um, player endorsement program or of any sort because everything is kind of custom, do you have any recognizable names who out there who are touting your drums? Uh, yeah, well, Dennis, Dennis, of course, yep, yep. the first one that I'm ready to mention, <laughs> right, <yep. laughs> uh, 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 Jeff Sipe, um, who's played with, uh, Derek trucks, uh, Jimmy Herring, Bill, Bill Fleck, um, uh, a guy named Bur- Bill Berg, who is not a huge name, but he was a founding member of Flim and the BBs, um, a while back. And he's a, he's a wonderful jazz fusion drummer. And he's actually the, the drummer on the Bob Dylan blood on the tracks album awesome um uh river gagurian um who is a, a just an outstanding uh world percussionist who's played on hundreds of albums and soundtracks and and uh, uh i was actually able to design a drum specifically for him that became one of the four series of, of snare drums that i do um uh so that it would work with um, hand percussion and hand playing, for that matter, and be compatible with with a, a hybrid kit of world percussion instruments. Um, Christopher Williams uh, out of Nashville, who was uh, tours with the, he's playing with the Gene Simmons band these days, and he's been in the um, uh, German metal group, except for the past four years, touring all over the world. Uh, he's toured with Kid Rock, played for Lee Greenwood. Um, Mike Gould, uh, University of Michigan jazz faculty. Uh, uh, Greg Clark, who uh, plays with uh, occasionally with Snarky Puppy and Jonathan Scales Orchestra. Uh, wonderful young drummer, uh, actually one of Dennis's uh, disciples, if you will. Okay. Um, so yeah, a, a, a lot of different <laughs> different people and different different walks of drumming, and and I, I got a kick out of that too. There's a there's a, uh, a group of educators in South Texas um, that has taken a whole bunch of my concert snares in, um, and I don't know what goes on there in South Texas, but it's like a little fan club. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing that you go by sound and you know tailor it to whatever genre people are going for, because it looks like you've 
you got them all over the place. So it's a good, good approach then. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, and it lets me, you know, I get, I get to apply uh, kind of a diverse musical background um, in terms of my ear and, and knowing what a drum should do for this type of use and knowing what it should do for that type of use. Um, and um, actually uh, I don't, I don't tell a lot of drummers this, but I was a music composition major in school. Hmm. Um, so learning a lot about tonalities and the way instruments blend together, work together, how you use voices um, has been a help with this. Definitely. So uh, going back to what you said about taking it to jam sessions, um, just well, to kind of get an idea of how it sounds from an outside perspective. Um, do you find that you've, um, uh, is, was it that you had multiple genres in one evening or that you would go to different genre focused jam sessions to kind of get that across the board. Um, yeah, it, it depends. It depends on the jam session. I mean, some some are you know this is a blues jam or or uh, this is a funk jam or something. But but sometimes you get um, there was one I used to go to in in the uh, Washington D.C. area that was ostensibly a an R and B blues um, jam session, but people sitting in would get to call the numbers and you'd, you'd have uh, a country tune and then a fusion tune and then a, then a, uh, you know, R and B classic. Um, so is that mostly um, what, what I pay attention to is different drummers um, and there, there are different touches, the different ways you use the instrument. This is one of the wonderful things about acoustic versus electronic instruments. And I think electronic drums are a lot of fun, but you can't, I, I remember, I remember a Steve Smith video that I haven't been able to find in a while. But uh, it was something where he was drawing maybe twenty four, twenty eight different sounds out of a snare drum just by the way he played it. Wow! And um, and a good player can do that and and has control over it. So so their selection of how they're going to hit that drum um, is how is a big part of how they define their sound. Until you, until you kept going there, I was like, um, yeah, it's electronic drum. Oh, wait, you mean acoustic drum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I, did I, did I get, oh, I'm sorry. I no, no, I was, just, I was just kind of, I think I got into the mindset that you're talking about digital. Like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. well, awesome. Well, before we uh, wrap it up, um, I wanted to give you a chance to uh, plug your website again. I know I did already and uh, any social media or anything so people can find out more about your products. Um, yeah, the, the website is uh, www.carolinadrumworks.com. The Facebook page is Carolina Drumworks, and Instagram is Carolina Drumworks, one word. Awesome, and all the popular ones, so all the kids can find you, um, as well as all the uh, the veterans, as you want to call them. <laughs> awesome. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I like I say, I enjoy teaching. Uh, uh, I, I like young drummers. I know that that they're not in the in the need area or the financial area uh, for my drums, but they get older and they, their, their interests and needs develop. And, and uh, so sometimes I've had, I've had people take four years to go from liking the drums to ordering one and that's okay. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I've discovered yeah. it. I love it. Can't mm -hmm. afford it, but I'm keep it in mind. And I'll right. Right. Get to you when I can. <laughs> At some point it, it's time. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, joining me today. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. I've had, I've had fun. I hope you have. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to Behind the Backline, brought to you by Octave Media, an inbound marketing agency focused on helping music merchants develop an automated solution to increase website sales. 
You can find Octave Media at www.octave.media. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or Google Play Music to learn more about great products and companies in the musical instrument, pro audio, and event technology space. And be sure to leave a review to let us know what you thought of this episode. We encourage you to share us with your friends and colleagues via social media, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Hey guys, Matt here from Behind the Backline. I recently released a free on-demand training called Three Steps to Drumming Up More Website Sales. During the nine-minute video, you'll learn the secrets to streamline your brand's image and dramatically increase your website sales. If you're a music brand or a retailer and you want to increase your website sales, go to octave.media slash drumoffer today. That's octave.media slash drumoffer. And thanks for listening to Behind the Backline.